Hey, welcome to the Humato Show. I'm Lance, and I'm woke with jokes. I'm Johnny, founder of the Venture Out, the best way to get your morning started. Go sign up, VentureOut.com. Mm, that's not it. That's close enough. Don't <laughs> <laughs> so we'll send them to that website. <laughs> It'll be a little surprise for you if you go there. A little Easter egg for you. Exactly. <laughs> you can put that Easter egg wherever you want. <laughs> and I'm Bo. That's it. Hey, sure, I'm Bo. <laughs> yeah, hey. Thank you. All right, so uh, today is Thursday, March yeah, really 7th, 2019, and the Junto is a club Benjamin Franklin founded way back when America was great. The purpose of the Junto was to debate questions of morals, politics, and natural philosophy. Our show's not quite that stuffy, but here and there, we stumble upon something profound between the geeky <laughs> jokes. <laughs> so how, how are two of my best friends doing there, guys? Oh, you're talking to us? <laughs> I want you to tell me about uh, Mike and John. <laughs> so your name's so common, even when I try to make up a fake name. I come up with John. Goes back to me. <laughs> so first off, let me uh, introduce our audience to an awesome page, another awesome page, besides VentureOut.com, <laughs> to go check out Patreon.com slash Show. This is our page where you can donate just a buck, maybe more, to uh, help us uh, do what we would love to do, which is to... Uh, Make this podcast with some uh, high quality stuff, hopefully for you all. Yeah, and as a uh, bonus gift, or I guess it's not a gift if you pay for it. As a bonus for being a premium member of the Junto Show, you get free bonus content, <laughs> like our ex- one extra episode per uh, per main episode. And then this week's episode, we talked about how much weight we should give the course of history when evaluating the current events that we see happening. Yeah, let's rewrite the history books. <laughs> They're being rewritten already. <laughs> well, are they? I wish they would. I. This is the thing. If you pay attention to Lance, I constantly ask. I want to read one of the high school kids' history books. <laughs> I really want to see what is being taught in the history books. Because sure. like, I went to school in Alabama, and they taught me some straight up bull trash. Like, you, this is not how this yeah. really went down. V- views of how history went down. So I want to see what is being yeah. taught. I, I want to see how Obama's uh, taught in history books for cl- kids right now. I want to see how uh, George W. Bush <laughs> I, I, I remember growing up through the history classes and I sit there with my arms crossed and I'm like, this is some BS. Where's all the Asian history? <laughs> Asians represent like a third of this world and like all this whole book is all about the Western culture. Yeah. And we get like a paragraph about some like, dy- oh yeah, this dynasty lasted 2,000 years. Good job. Oh yeah, let's focus on this one over here now. I was like, come on. Uh yeah, I mean there's a case to be made about that. Yeah. Do you think that you will teach your uh your kids like Asian history or I guess Vietnamese history in, in like uh separate and apart from American history? Like you will make an effort that they understand not just like the culture but the history. I mean, if, of if Vietnam, if we're just being honest here, I'll probably teach them more about the history of like X Men <laughs> and like you know how Batman came to be and you know stuff I really know about. Okay, well so. maybe you can learn together. <laughs> I, I I think I will teach my kids. Like, yeah, yeah. Uh, no, no, I think that stuff is important. Yeah. You know, as my mom reminds me sometimes of how uh, socialism is bad. Yep. I'm just gonna drop that there and uh, <laughs> go. <on. laughs> uh, yeah, I probably will. Um, but you will uh, what? Uh, teach. Uh, probably teach my son about Chinese history. I don't know much about it though, so. <laughs> You know, I I, th- I thought you were gonna say ice giant history. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, son, we used to live in the ice caves. You know. <laughs> yeah, I, I wouldn't really know what to say about a lot of stuff because I think there's there's probably a whole bunch of history books, but they're probably all in Chinese and not a whole lot translated over to English. So, so like his grandparents know. speak English and Chinese, or just yeah. Chinese? Uh, they speak both. Okay. But uh, yeah, let's give yep. your kid Google Translate. Oh. <laughs> 
Well, oh wait, no, the yeah, the, I'm thinking of the great grandparents. Uh, the yeah, the grandparents. Yeah, around. Them. Uh, the great grandparents. Some of them are. That's pretty good. Yeah, yeah. So it's got good genes. So. Okay, well, well, shout out to that. <clears throat> All right. So without further ado, we're going to get things started with our first segment, hot take news. Good evening. I'm Ron Burgundy, and this is what's happening in your world tonight. First agenda item on the hot take news: delivery bots are on their way. Uh, FedEx and Segway are teaming up to make rolling delivery drones that will deliver your pizza and goods to your door. And also for sure to be uh, kidnapped and destroyed by neighborhood kids that are just like, you know, the, <laughs> the lost boy from uh, Peter Pan. So here's what this thing looks like. It's kind of like a, uh, imagine basically a safe on wheels. And it's got those. Mm, I don't sex, know if, sexy. <laughs> I don't know if you ever seen those Segway. So like they have four wheel Segway. Segway is the little thing with the two wheels and then you lean into it, you know, like the Paul Blart ma- mall cop. But they have a four wheel version of it that can climb climb stairs and so like this delivery drone it's got four wheels that it can climb stairs and i don't know leave your uh detergent on (laughs) or your pizza on your porch so that's the wave of the future there i think if that was actually coming to my house i might lay some booby traps and record it just see what happens there there was like some type of traveling robot and i don't understand it It was like a hitchhiking robot or something and it made its way all across europe it it was traveling for like three years or something and then it spent like a week in america and people destroyed it. yeah that was on um was the last week tonight and it made it to philadelphia and then they destroyed it <laughs> like hey hey get out of here uh, okay, so it did say on the news article that Walgreens and Walmart are also on board with this survey, so, I mean, with this project. So, like, I guess maybe you'll be able to get uh, medicines delivered to your house. Mm. So I, I couldn't I couldn't see anyone trying to break in steal <laughs> medicine. You got Oxy in there, uh, Wally? <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. All right. Uh, okay, so uh, the next news item. Have you guys heard of the windshield phenomenon? Yeah, I have, actually. Oh, yeah? Yeah. What do, you, what do you think the windshield phenomenon is, Johnny? Yeah, you wax on, you wax off, right? <laughs> yeah. Okay. Both. Uh, <laughs> you wax your windshield. Yeah. Do you? Yeah. Are you supposed to? Uh, yeah. I only wax the paint. No, you wax the windshield too. That's what uh, gives it the good Rain-X effect. Ah, uh, you get a bad glare on that. No, no, you rub it off. <laughs> okay. You wax it on, then you wax it off. <laughs> Make sure you edit that out. <laughs> I don't. Want, I don't want that sound bite haunting me one day. Yeah. Um, <laughs> that's not the worst thing you've said <laughs> today. <laughs> windshield effect. I guess it's um. It's when you block stuff, but you can still see it. No. Okay. So basically, okay. um, <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, it, it may, in the uh, context of what we're talking about here, the windshield effect was basically there is a huge world changing extinction event of insects going on right now. It, it was more or less first noticed or discovered by people who were like in the outback driving. And this guy was like, man, when I rode up and down the street when I was a kid, my car used to be filthy <laughs> when I, by the time I got where I was going. Then I come back here as an adult and I drive and there's not enough bugs to dirty up my windshield like there used to be. So they kind of started doing more and more research and realized that there has been uh, a huge, huge die off of insects. So over the course of the last 25 years, what percentage of insect biomass do you think has disappeared from the face of the earth? I know my response, Bo. Um, well, it's, I'm guessing it's not 50%, but more like 35%. Okay, Bo says 35% of insect biomass. Johnny says, whatever it is, not enough. <laughs> uh, I mean, that's what you think until he, until you don't you can't pollinate your food or, uh, or feed your birds. You or, pollinate your food? No. Exactly. Birds. I mean, uh, the, the bees do. <laughs> the bees fall. Okay, yeah. Yeah, and if they don't do it, then we got to uh, 
have humans do it, and they're lazy. So, so Johnny, give give a number. What do you think? It's bad. It's really bad. Fifteen. Fifteen. Yeah. And both says thirty-five. Eighty mm-hmm. percent of insect bio. Yeah, what happened to them all? The uh, was it was it pesticides. So there's. Oh, I guess you were saying the, yeah. the, the more human uh, spread, the less bugs are in those areas because we displace not just large animals but also insects. Well, and also we poison the plants so that they can't uh, survive. Yeah, or we genetically modify them so that plants don't or bugs don't eat them. Yeah, and then also they said that uh, climate change is also uh, making it more difficult for the insects to to reproduce properly and survive in new uh, right. ecosystems. So there's been a 2.5 percent annual loss of insect biomass, and it says in 100 years, given that uh, that math, all the insects would basically be dead, which is like bad. Like you know, I don't know if you've heard about the bees going away. There's a big bee shortage, yeah. and it's a problem. Yeah, colony collapse and everything, right? Yeah, yeah. Yep. They said that was because of like uh, nicotine, which I thought was interesting. So, so I don't know. This is a thing that I, as a service, I offer to you, the Junto Show listener, that we need to, I don't know, do something, be invent, aware. Invent robot bees. <laughs> oh, my God. The answer is not robots. The answer is to... Uh, the, the answer is human intervention and genetic modifications. But it's like human... <laughs> Genetically modified bugs? Is that your Yes. <laughs> Mutant. Yes. Get the bees to fly faster and farther and, and pollinate more. And this is why I'm never voting for your president. Because the fast bees <laughs> is the best solution you have. Come on. First of all, you need, if, you, if the bees were bigger, you wouldn't need as many of them. We just need huge, fast bees. And, right. then, and then we need to make them more aggressive so they'll go to more plants faster. So we just need huge, okay, hold on, hold on, fast, on. aggressive bees. Hold on. H O D E. Hold on. Yeah. All right. The audience may not know this, but you two should know this about me. I'm not a big fan of insects at all. I'm just kidding around. They hate, they hate you too. They hate me. I will say I'm I'm allergic to them. They bite me, and yeah, I swell up. And I oh, take, so and I take nasty. <laughs> <laughs> I will say, like by far, Johnny gets stung, bit by more bugs than anybody I have ever met. This, in my life. This, this past weekend, on Saturday, I was washing my car. I stepped in an ant pile. <laughs> I've got ant bites all over my feet right now. Like not not even just you being a screw up. Like they the the flying ones come at you too. Like yes, you, totally, you, you do get bit by more bugs than I do nothing <laughs> to them. They just come up and bite me. I was like, what? They listen. They hear how you talk back, talk trash about them, and they come after yeah. you. So I don't know. Call your congressman and tell them to stop killing the the bugs. I don't know what you do about this, but this is a, this is a there's, there's so many like background level about to end the world things going on that people are kind of just. Like I I, 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 was reading this article, and I was like, it said that butterflies are one of the main things that, are, that have been dying off. And I was like, I feel like I used to play with butterflies or like catch them or or just see them way more when I was a kid. Hmm. And I, I'm outside less too, but I'm like, I don't see butterflies like I used to. Like, have you guys noticed that? I don't know. I think it has to do with them. Man. We're not outside as much. <sighs> well, I think I'll, that's a big. Di- if we were well, this outside- thing is also like the butterflies have all died. <laughs> oh, I mean, so, I don't think I don't think there's a bug problem in Florida. That's. Well, I mean, that's for sure. so so we, we, we uh, I ride to and from work. I, I pass by a pretty big swamp, and I feel like there was a good stretch of time where my car used to get filthy for like three or four months a year, and I feel like it doesn't get as bad as it used to. Oh, like love bugs? Well, love bugs are like an invasive species from central uh, Mexico. Whatever, whatever it is. Like, I feel like the, I don't remember the love bugs being as bad as they used to be. Is that just me? Well, I mean, there was also like I'm a... Time to the guy who don't care. You know? <laughs> but I'm, uh, regardless of caring, is it a thing that you've noticed? No. Oh, okay. <laughs> well, the, the the numbers uh, showed it. It was actually pretty interesting, too, like how they discovered right. it. Uh, anyway. All right. Uh, save the environment. Save the insects. Yes, I agree. Okay. <laughs> oh, and uh, some little bit of good news here. Papa John, uh, John Schnatter, has agreed to drop his lawsuit. He was trying to get back on board with uh, Papa John's after he uh, 
couldn't help himself from saying the old n-word there but he's decided to just walk away and i think he's going to like appoint have a say in who gets appointed to take his place or whatever but uh he's gone i never liked him that piece of trash i just wanted to drop that in there (laughs) (laughs) uh okay I'd like to say Little Caesars has always been more of a favorite of mine. Really? Little Caesars? Yeah. I used to eat it when I was a kid. I think it was, a, I used to eat it in Michigan all the time. But then, uh, I don't think it's very good pizza. <laughs> That's probably true. But I think growing up eating Little Caesars, it's a nostalgia. Yeah. It's nostalgia pizza for me. I like so. the bubbles. It's got bubbles. Oh, it's got bubbles? On the, the dough bubbles. Oh, yeah. The they bake oh, well. <laughs> Okay, let me see. Uh, oh, hey, driverless shuttle buses are uh, coming to South Orlando. Have you seen this? No. What uh, is this? It's a little town called Lake Nona. I've never been there, but I've seen signs for it. You've never been to Lake Nona? No. Been Lake Nona? It's nice. Yeah. It's a big? Uh, yeah. So they said they've got these these 15 passenger uh, autonomous little buses from this company called Beep that is going, they're going to just start letting run back and forth all over Lake Nona. I'm like... Yeah, where are the stops at? They haven't... They haven't. It was, it was all kind of shady. It was like cool because it was innovative, but also they hadn't... They didn't announce the routes. They said there was like $300,000 that had been invested. And I'm like... How is this company that I've never heard of getting this done faster than Google or Apple or Uber or all these other companies or Tesla, all these other companies that have like been working on this that are big companies you've heard of. But this small company is uh, that doesn't even have a headquarters yet. They said they said they're going to build their headquarters in Lake Nona. So I'm like, OK, you don't have a headquarters, but you've got enough authorizations to start this up yeah. here. Which is cool, I guess, but I'm like, it's, I don't know, weird. I, I, I agree with you in the weird factor of how could that possibly be ahead in technology than Tesla or Google. But it'd be nice to motivate and stimulate um, small businesses at the same time. Yeah, and I, and I do think that part of the driverless car technology that was originally happened with the DARPA mm-hmm. uh, challenge years ago, I think one of these entrances was from the Central Florida area. Mm. Oh, so I think like FIT and UCF and all these things kind of went into it. So. You know, it'd be kind of funny if they say this is a driverless vehicle and they just black out the side windows and they just have a human in there driving anyway. <laughs> there there, so like there was something a couple months back where there was like a, some type of Russian diplomatic summit or whatever. And then Russia unveiled this new robot they had that was like Osimo. And it was like basically had some guy in a suit. <laughs> like there's pictures you can see his neck. <laughs> okay. And um, how, how long is that? That's, that's, a, that's about enough. Time. Yeah, we're about twenty minutes. Okay, uh, a couple of just quick things. Um, Mark Zuckerberg lost nine billion dollars last year, but is still somehow super duper rich. And also, uh, for good news, the good news segment of the week, uh, Jaden Smith through his uh, he's got a little water startup that he's running. I forget what it was called, but he's going to provide water to Flint, Michigan. So uh, shout out to Jaden Smith and everybody anybody who's putting in some effort there to help uh, the people in Flint because God knows they need it. There hasn't been as much administrative stuff done there as there needs to have been. That's because all the A plus help is going to uh, somewhere else. You hear that Trump thing? Oh, <laughs> it's giving Alabama the A plus treatment. Yeah. Like, what about the rest of uh, the other disasters? Oh, yeah. Well, he's got to take money from California to build the wall <laughs> and Puerto Rico. <laughs> and Puerto Rico. And, yeah. uh, the Puerto Rico. They're not really Americans. Uh, <laughs> let them uh, say it. Hey, well, shout out to Johnny for bringing it down at the end there instead of me this time. <laughs> and that's the hot take news for all of us here at News Center Four. I'm Ron Burgundy. You stay classy, San Diego. <laughs> we'll be right back after this. Hey, this is Johnny. Lance. And this is Bo. All right, guys. It's time to enter the captain's radio room. I believe that I can do more. Hasn't that been the problem all along? You've never been willing to do what's necessary to attain it. 
first officer, bro, reporting. Science officer Lance, <laughs> on deck. Come on, guys, you get like with it. Okay. <laughs> oi, oi, captain. <laughs> uh, my visor hurts. <laughs> <laughs> All right, today's topic is it's a little bit of a blend of uh, it's a lot of uh, issues here. We're talking compromising. How far do you compromise mm-hmm. and with whom? Uh, we're talking about forgiveness. What does it take to forgive somebody and apologize and kind of extend that olive branch again? Olive leaf, whatever that, whatever that phrase is. It's a branch. All right. The, 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 <laughs> that, might, that may or may not have leaves on it. The, the, the yeah. olive trunk. <laughs> I could right. imagine being like, hey, let me give you this olive leaf. <laughs> like, like, what am I going to do with a leaf? <laughs> what am I going to do with a branch? <laughs> Beat your ass with it. <laughs> yeah. So I'm going to give an example of uh, something politically related, which may cause us to stir a little bit here. But let's try to focus in on the compromising and the forgiveness side and how that relates to us in our personal lives, as always. Okay. okay. I'll try. <laughs> <laughs> this is, I tell you, this is going to be great fodder for Lance here. Okay. So uh, this past week was the uh, House Committee hearing on uh, Cohen. I, I wish I could do a Cohen impersonation. but Mr. Trump. You know he's gonna <laughs> he's gonna make you think you're, that, that you're all that that you can do anything that you want to, but then you're gonna look at and you're gonna be in prison. Oh, Mr. Trump, why'd you do me like this? Oh man, I lied for you, but I love you. <laughs> that's not bad. Yeah, I, a, I feel like that was the impersonation of Ben Stiller's impersonation. <laughs> yeah, that's more or less what it is. And the more I listen to like Trump talk or whatever, like I listen to his whole CPAC speech, one insane, but two, everybody. I thought Trevor Noah's Trump impersonation was terrible. But it's really good. Yeah. It's just that Trump is just a weird speaker. <laughs> it is. It is. It, so anyways, what happened at the hearing was there was one incident between the uh, Republican um, Mark Meadows and the uh, the new Democrat rep- uh, um, representative uh, Rashida Tlaib. 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 Thank you. Um, so Mark Meadows was trying to defend uh, President Trump's that he's not a racist by pointing that he, <coughs> Sorry. <laughs> by Sorry. By pointing out that uh, Trump has one black friend. <laughs> Employee. <laughs> Employee, too. Yes, yes, yes. Right. So, hey, how clearly, how can Trump be racist? He's got a black employee, right? And uh, Representative uh, Taib <laughs> took offense and said the act of pointing out the black best black friend defense is racist in itself. They got in a little argument. Uh, luckily, the uh, House chair smoothed things over a little bit. I don't and know after- about that. I don't think it's luckily there. About right, that. right. And <laughs> afterwards, on Thursday, the two were caught hugging it out on the House floor. A moment that made headlines. It uh, doesn't mean they agree on anything. Those two. Mark Meadows. And, and what happened was, Mark Meadows said, I went over to her and said, listen, thank you for the gracious way that you handled it. And I just wanted to let her know that there is no animosity or hard feelings at all. She said the same. It was a very good moment. And what uh, Representative Talib said on MSNBC is, it was really thoughtful of Mark Meadows to come up to me and thank me that way. So they seem to have hashed that bit they still don't agree with with uh, each other but at least they're now cordial and they hugged and they had a conversation afterwards so is that a good thing that they were able to reach across the aisle apologize maybe to each other or whatnot and just say hey let's agree to disagree but let's continue working towards something good well, or bad how far do you compromise do you compromise with the races do you extend that olive um, tree trunk to them I I mean, uh, I know Lance has something queued up. <laughs> uh, he's, he's bursting with energy. There. Oh man! Yeah. Oh, well, man. I guess first of all, that's that's like you know that's a little to unpack because I think I saw every time I see that I just uh, the picture of Mark Meadows with the the black employee sheepishly standing behind him. You know, don't say anything. By the way, you just stand there and be black. <laughs> <laughs> 
is it's a uh, it's almost comical. Uh, but I would say that uh, yeah, I think it's a good thing for them to come together and try to at least uh, acknowledge that they both have you know I guess equal votes on the equal vote uh, voting uh, strength on the floor, um, and to be like, well, we do need to work together. That is the ultimate goal. So no, the ultimate goal is to provide a good policy for the nation. Well, they have to work to go together to hopefully get some good policy, right? I mean, I guess they don't really have to if, exactly. if Tlaib has enough votes, right? <laughs> exactly. Park Meadow. Yes. So the goal is not to work together. That's stupid. And I don't like it when people say that. <laughs> so are we saying she or he should not have extended the olive branch? Should they have not have tried well, to get cordial with each other and just let that hang in the air and let that fester? Or not fester, but just, just, just let that be? And so, maybe not ever talk to each other again and just look at each other as... Hey, you're a racist, and oh, hey, you called me a racist. Hey, she and didn't call him a racist. She said that uh, that the, action was the, racist. The action was racist. Yeah, but an action, a racist action by a person makes him racist. racist. Oh, is that is that what we're saying? Yeah. Okay, I I agree, but I don't know yeah. that that's universal because there's a lot of people doing a lot of racist stuff or a lot of things that uh, have racist outcomes, and they swear up and down that they're not racist. So instead of focusing on that, though, would you <laughs> would you reach across the aisle? And go talk to this person, a person that you believe has performed a racist action and said, hey, I don't agree with what you did at all. I wouldn't even even go that far. So here's what Mark Meadows came up to her. So if Mark Meadows came up to you and was like, Lance, bring it in, pal. Yeah, but he was like his little statement too. like you handled that graciously. You handled me being a racist graciously. Like, see, there's a little thing called being black at work. And so Mm -hmm. as as a black person. At any decent-sized organization, or a woman, for example, you're going to encounter all kinds of, let's just call it generic BS. And you can tailor your BS to whatever particular group you are, and you're going to experience it. And if you were to fight every little fight about uh, some type of small racism, medium-sized racism, big racism, sexism, or whatever you're going to have at work, you're going to be fighting all day. And so I think that uh, the vast majority of people have just learned to deal with the 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 microaggressions and the medium sized aggressions and the regular aggressions that you come across at your work environment and keep it moving. Yeah, I so, think that's a great point. Actually, so what I heard you say, which is, which is a which is an injustice, mind you. Yes, it's but, an injustice. But what you're saying is there in order to cope with life as it is today, the reality of today, each of us has to identify and understand our personal thresholds. If it's below the thresholds, yes, I acknowledge that it sucks and it's wrong, but I can whatever kind of live through that. If it crosses that threshold, then hey, I'm gonna to have to do some confrontation or change the manner in which I interact with this person. So each individual has identified a threshold. You, Lance, have identified a threshold. I've identified a threshold as far as how much racism I can put up with mm-hmm. before I have to point it out. So I don't know. Yeah, yes, gen- and that's the only way to live, right? That's gen- what you're saying. Generally, but at the same time, like you, you. You will not get anything done. Like you're, you're, there will be the consequences will be untenable, uh, depending. But also dealing with racism is untenable. So I, I have this conversation with some of my friends sometimes, and it's just I, some of us. We have everybody does have a different threshold, um, and I I don't even know what to say about it. But I will say that that, ex- that exchange where Rashida Tlaib was like, what you did there was unacceptable. And then Mark Meadows was like, how outrageous! How dare you imply that I'm a racist? Oh my god! And then and then. And then, and then, uh, what's the name? Um, Congressman, uh, the 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 head of the chair, the black Elijah guy. Cummings. Elijah Cummings, yeah, was just like, like jumped in and defended, like, 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 oh my God, how dare anybody con- even consider that this dude who just did some 
low-level racist stuff is a racist. Also, he came out that he's a birther and he's called told Obama to go back to Kenya a bunch of times too. You know, and also he's governed as a racist for a while. whatever. But how dare anybody call call somebody a racist? No matter what they do, no matter what they say. You know, like there's no objective truth. Like it's such an offense to be called racist that that people come to your defense, and no matter what outrage you can, and you can be so indignant and outraged that everybody has to come. Like your indignancy and your outrage is justified by the offense of you being called to task for what you've said or done. And I'm just like that bugs me, and I see it all over the place all the time. I think there was a coherent well, point there. <laughs> oh, I didn't really have a point to. Yeah, that's what Lance said. I mean, no, no. Well, I mean. I think those are very powerful words, Lance. I think that's a very powerful moment. That's the eye opener for me, in the sense that, yeah, there's there's a lot of rage built up in people, and who knows what is going through people's mind. And and I extend that to I know we're talking about racism here in this particular example, but I think there's lots of things that get people upset in the deep down um, of people where they, they just don't share that stuff. So who knows when you step on people's landmines? Who knows when you Accidentally push that red button that triggers them. Yeah. Um, Accidentally. Okay, I'll let, it, I'll, I'll let it go. Well, I'm talking the. Well, well, I'm well, talking. Wait, like, wait, wait. No, no, I'm talking about a bigger picture yeah. thing where I'm not talking about racism. I'm talking about like, hey, what if I um, had a kid once and I lost a child, and now somebody is talking about kids in front of me? Like, well, oh, that's, I, a, that's I, a red button for me, I've but stepped, you didn't know that. I stepped on your red button before when I first met you. I oh stepped, yeah, I stepped on your red button, and I'll never forget it. <laughs> oh shoot, well, what's it now? I wonder. You want me to say? <laughs> Yeah, go for it. Um, so early on in our friendship, um, there was something happened or whatever, and I and I t- referred to a little person as oh yes, as yes, the yes, M word. Yes, and you and you corrected yeah. me and said that is not a word that uh, is yes. used and, and whatever. And to and to this day, I I don't say it, and I make an effort to correct other people when they say it. Oh, I, I appreciate it, that because it offended my friend. Yeah, and uh, and then I I was corrected and learned from the error of my ways. Oh well, see, and that's very possible. We're gonna learn from everybody and each other all right yeah so have you guys ever taken the so it sounds like um a microaggressions and in, in little uh in these transactions between people where it seems like there's i don't know i almost think of like just miscommunication happen all the time have you had a chance to actually like write down all the microaggressions that happened to you throughout the day what no what uh, what one, one uh, is it is it really that many i don't uh not, I don't think in a, in any given day that much stuff happens. Um, well, how about a week? Let's say a week. You know, would you say over under a thousand? <laughs> <laughs> I feel like we're at the Cohen hearing. Would you say you've uh, threatened people twenty times? More. Hundred times. More. Two hundred times. More. Five hundred. Sounds about white. <laughs> <laughs> That was not a sound clip. That was us reenacting. Uh, that was good TV. And scene. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so for all the, the the wokeness and all the complaining I do on the old uh, podcast here, I, I personally haven't experienced it. I've had a pretty good life. I also keep my, my head down. Well, <laughs> I think we all experienced it, but we've just been accustomed to it. We don't count it anymore. It doesn't, somewhere it's just so low level that it doesn't trigger anymore. Depending on our thresholds again, what have we just simply gotten used to? Well, and then it's also tough to to attribute a motivation to whatever particular thing happens to you. Like when when I go into a store, and then people like follow me or whatever, and I'm just like, okay, are you are you offering me customer service? Or are you worried I'm going to take something? And it's just like, I don't know why you're doing that, and it does happen, but I just uh, you know it doesn't bug me that much. Like my threshold is is 
pretty high. Like I've got a good tolerance for uh, annoyances. <laughs> okay. Yeah. So I don't, I don't like. I might notice it, but it's not like it doesn't infuriate me like it would some other people. And I'm like, thank God, because I'm glad I have a little a low temper. Because people with bad tempers, man, that'll ruin your life quick. <laughs> yeah. I. I mean, I. I guess I. You know, the the previous statement. It did sound like there was a lot of uh, emotion there, <laughs> and I didn't know if it was because to me, I'm oblivious to all this kind of stuff, right? I guess I don't know if I have a high threshold or not, but I think like all the things that happen, you know, like you're you taller than us. Yeah, I am tall, <laughs> yeah, but uh, I didn't know if it was something actually. No, you um, went through. Mm, I'm sure he goes through it all the time. I think uh-huh. on a low level, just. No, I don't want to make it sound like I like if I had a very good life and nothing. I mean, like stuff happens here and there, but like I've never. I, whenever I get pulled over, I did something or whatever. <laughs> <laughs> like I'm not that. that ha- no, it happens to other people. That's why I don't want to yeah. say that I've been a, a victim or whatever. Because like there's real victims out there. I'm I'm fine. I also uh, live my life like I'm on parole too, though. So as <laughs> so as not to <laughs> get right. any, any additional trouble. I live my life a quarter mile at a time. <laughs> But um, but yeah, but I do, but I do notice stuff though, and and it really seems like it's worse to be called a racist than to be a racist, as far as like uh the amount of offense you can so, one is about to take to this um this uh lady I work with. <laughs> she uh, she asked me one day. She was like, "Hey Johnny, do you think you experience racism? You know, and how often and whatnot?" And I just told her like, "Yeah, I think I do, but not much. It's very low level. I think every once in a blue moon, I." triggers and i notice it but you know it's not like the overt negative racism where like they're they're actively trying to oppress me it's much more of a a subliminal oh hey they didn't realize they were doing what they're doing whatnot so i think it's a bit of that and i've had actually other people unprompted from me intervene on my behalf and saying hey what you did to that person might have been have some sort of uh discriminatory factor in it Oh, word? You got people st- sticking up for you? Yeah, I didn't even know. The person told me afterwards, like, oh, well, okay, cool. Keep yeah. it up. That's pretty good. <laughs> I, I, I hope that in a moment I would speak up for somebody. Yeah, well, if, if anything, maybe this segment, one of the profound um, insights maybe is, hey, be aware of that. And if you do notice something, maybe say something. But but back yeah. to my, my previous statement, though. Like, if you're out there fighting every fight, like, you're just going to... Me personally, like, uh, more power to people that do fight those fights, but... I think like once you get you get like labeled and then people start oh that's a uh... but I think one tactic in the toolkit is to and maybe what I'm also advocating for is just watch out for others as well you know yeah. not just for yourself but watching yeah. out for others hey what that person did to the other person is has a tinge of something so hey let's point it out to the person and do it in a nice way because that person who suffered it may feel awkward maybe even didn't even notice it or or whatnot you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You should definitely stick up. It's for a others. community. It takes a village. So, uh, so here, here's the thing that happened to me at work, and maybe I cut this out. <laughs> but like, uh, I was in a program with another black guy, and there was there was like five white people, two black guys in this program or whatever. Okay. Yeah. And then like the the advisor of the program kept calling me by the other guy's name, the other black guy's name, and I was like, <laughs> and I never corrected her for real. <laughs> what? I was like, ah, like, because I was like, this is racist on me to assume that she doesn't know the difference, <laughs> or. <laughs> <laughs> And I didn't feel like uh, it was worth the trouble to to correct her. <laughs> I, uh, it's, it's not what, to say, what you would say about that. But <laughs> well, I don't know if I would consider that do with race, though. Well, it's not. She never caught me any other people's name, though. So maybe it's not racist, but it's definitely. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, she could have said like, you know, like in the, you know, the people's names. She just could have flipped you guys' names, and then 
was like, which one is it? That guy, you know. Yeah, but like, <laughs> and then just went with it, and but, you didn't correct her, and she the, was like, okay. I guess but of the it. other three guys in the, okay, and it just so happens that she confused me with the black guy. They're saying, yeah, yeah. yeah it was never ever corrected. Well, I, well, I would say, <laughs> <laughs> I would say, yeah, that's the most likely person just confuse you with, right? Well, yeah, there's that. Well, yeah. I don't know. I, I I think that I look as much as I look like that guy as I look like anybody else because like, I was yeah. I'm tall and lighter skinned. And he was like shorter and darker skinned. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So like my my skin tone to him is different than is about the different difference is my skin tone to you. Well, I uh, uh, on a tangent too. I was watching a fantastic movie last night, a classic classic movie by uh, with uh, Gerard Butler. <laughs> gamer, oh. gamer. No, no. It involves a president. Um, three hundred. No. Uh, <laughs> okay. Not emperor. White House down. That's that's the other movie, man. White House Down is Jamie Foxx and uh, Channing Tatum. Oh, uh, America Has Fallen? Close. DC Has Fallen? (laughs) Olympus Has Fallen. Olympus Has Fallen. Ah. (laughs) Olympus is the codename for the president of the movie. Olympus. (laughs) So the the basic premise of the movie was um, some folks from uh, North Korea came in and kind of took over the White House and held a hostage, right? But when I was rewatching the movie, the delegation was from South Korea coming to visit, right? Mm -hmm. And I'm thinking to myself, like, huh. Another Asian can spot differences in Asians and say, hey, hey, those are Japanese people. Oh, hey, those are Chinese people. <laughs> hey, clearly you're being like bamboozled right now. But yeah. white people probably can't tell that apart. So I thought that would have been a hilarious thing where like if you see this going on, I was like, uh, something's really fishy going on here. The Korean delegation is surrounded by a bunch of Chinese people right now. What's going on? Wait, so was that part of the plot or was it just bad casting? No, that's part of the plot. I mean, don't do it wrong. North and South are very close, obviously. So it was a South Korean delegation, but all the traders were all North Korean people. Mm-hmm. So could you tell the part? Probably not. But I'm just saying, I'm, the thought triggered my head. Though. I was like, huh. <laughs> you know, Asian can tell Asians apart, but I'm not sure white people can. So well, uh, I'll push back a little bit because I, I, like your your Asian people radar is only a hair better than mine. I don't think you can tell. Uh, like you feel like you're confident, you can tell a <laughs> Korean from a Chinese from a Chinese person from a Japanese person. Well, yeah. wait a second, guys. As the only white person on this podcast, I think I am the person that's best an- uh, able to answer Johnny's question. And I would say yes, you're right, Johnny. I, don't <laughs> I think I have a eighty uh, percent accuracy. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Fair enough. I, mine's yeah. not that high. Mine's not that high. I thought. Yeah. I thought okay. I'll be quiet. <laughs> <laughs> no, there's nowhere to go there. <laughs> All right. Any other profound thoughts before we end this uh, captain's ready room? Uh, did we know, even get? Did we even tackle the topic for real? Like, well, uh, so we oh we yeah. kind of did, but we didn't talk about forgiveness. And I kind of wondered. I don't. I don't know. If we can. I was trying to figure out how to get forgiveness back into back it, but in I couldn't. Yeah. Uh, well, I mean, we've talked about that a little bit. Like, like uh, okay. Well, well, in this hypothetical scenario, what could Mark Meadows say to uh, Rashid Talib that is an appropriate apology? That where she would say, you know what? I will take that, and I will move on from this, and give you a, you know. Well, I think it has to be a. You first, Bart Meadows has to recognize what he did was, <laughs> was not right. You know, he has to recognize that, like uh, he has to show some fault. No, 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 yeah, I think for Lance, though, if Lance is the litmus test here, I think what Mark Meadows would have to do is say, "I apologize for all the racist things I've ever done," and those I'm about to do. <laughs> Including and highlight the example, so he acknowledges that he, those moments were racist in the past, and then also apologize for the current one, and then cry for a while, and then maybe, maybe garner a fresh start. Mm, I don't 
don't know. Like, uh, this feels like a real there. He, he's not going to change, and you're going to just play yourself by thinking that anything he says can be believed, or that even if he feels bad in the moment that he got caught, like he's going to still vote for all of these uh, racist crap that he, he's been voting for. So, like, what would be the the question on the table though? What would it take to forgive him in that moment and say apology accepted in that moment? What I'm hearing is nothing. I would probably say apology accepted, but I, like, I'm gonna walk away thinking that this dude is exactly the same dude he was, and is going to do all the same stuff. But like okay. for the sake of moving on with my day, <laughs> yeah. Also, well, that's so that's. Yeah, I'm trying to think of like uh, how close to that is true forgiveness. Is I don't know if that's the right word. So you can say I accept your apology and I don't not think mean Lance, it. Just I don't think Lance kinda, does though. I don't yeah, think that's I do the either. thing. No. You wouldn't truly accept <laughs> no, it, so exactly. you couldn't. You couldn't move on. Like, let's say you you wanted to work with uh, Mark Meadows in the future or something like mm-hmm. that. This hypothetical, you. I'm pragmatic. If I have to work with you, I will. Yeah, you have to work with him, right? And so, uh, to further that relationship, uh, what would he? You would have to. Are you? Are we saying that he would have to actually accept an apology from Mark Meadows? See, I mean, for, for me, since if I'm to leave, and this is my first interaction with this dude. I would hope for him to give him a more thorough apology, like I outlined earlier, and then I would give him the the go ahead. Where right? is they gonna do but, it? But but when he crosses me the second time, then it's like, hey man, I gave you, new, I accept the apology, but I'm not gonna accept this new apology unless you do something even more so though, which is the apology again. Plus, I'm gonna don't Mark Meadow donates a million dollars to some sort of fund, right? Then I might forgive him a second time, and then he does it a third time. Forget it. Again, like Bush said, fool me once. <laughs> My fault. Go ahead. Yeah. <laughs> uh, well, you know, I, I guess I'm wondering. Um, it, w- did Words Tlaib, are dust. Did Talib uh, like accept snap? Accept his apology on just face value. It almost sounds like she probably accepted it just the way like you would accept it. Just be like, okay. From what, from what I've heard of her in her speeches and her talking or whatever, she realizes that she's at work and yeah. she needs to just move on with this yeah. and like. She don't want them coming for her like they come for Elon Omar. (laughs) No, I think that's a smart move on her part right there. Again, what I project onto my personal life, I think that's how I operate, which is first time, I'll forgive with an apology. Second time, I'll forgive with a much more thorough apology. And third time, forget, I'm out. So, okay, so he apologizes. And then you're doing some negotiation or whatever. Do you think that he's going to negotiate some racially, not him, a person who has shown himself to be racially biased in the past they apologize to you do you in your next interaction with them assume that they're going to argue in good faith about something along that would involve uh absolutely not but because of the apology if i do have a rapport with this person i will highlight it out and say in a private matter and say hey as we step into this negotiation or or like during the break of the negotiation hey man i heard you say this i don't even realize it now but that's that's gonna have a racial impact here and i and i can't go along with that and see what they say. They say, you know, and you have to see how that conversation goes a little bit. But I would point out and give them a chance to kind of see it as opposed to assuming it. Okay. As long as you remain skeptical. I yes, think totally. That's, that's totally. the key there. Totally. Yes. Yeah, it's like, if, like any friendship. If a friendship screws me over, I might forgive them let them become an acquaintance. But I, I doubt they'll ever become a close friend again. Interesting. Good yeah. to know. Warning. Good to know. <laughs> let me just put Johnny Silverware back where I got it from. <laughs> <laughs> Cool. All right. All right. Okay. Well, there's our cue, and uh, <laughs> thank you, everybody. Let's uh, get back on the bridge and uh, do some diagnostics. 
Hey, welcome back to the Junto Show. I'm Lance, and I'm trapped in a time warp of a sort that has a twist ending that I haven't seen yet. Hmm. Wow, okay. <laughs> hey, I'm Johnny. <laughs> <laughs> I think that was my Mark Wahlberg impersonation. Is uh, Mark Wahlberg coming up? Oh, I'm excited. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Hey, punch the donkey. <laughs> Say hi to your mother for me. <laughs> uh, and I'm Bo, and I hope this conversation has heft. <laughs> <laughs> As they always do. Yes, yes. All right, so welcome to our world-famous pop culture segment, where we talk about all the things going on in media. So, Johnny, what, is Mark, what the hell is Mark Wahlberg doing <laughs> that we should care about? <laughs> we should care about, actually, because he is in the movie called Instant Family that is now available for rental and streaming. And I watched this movie. Mm-hmm. So the movie is based on a true story. It's based on the director and the co-writer, a real story of adopting three children out of, foster, out of the foster care system. So... In the movie, Mark Wahlberg. Oh, wait, it's got uh, the, your girl in there you like. It does. Yeah. Thank you for remembering. I was going to bring her up, too. Rose Byrne. Fantastic. She I was in Kate Beckinsale. <laughs> so different. So different. So, uh, not really. But Rose Byrne, um, she, you, you may know her from uh, great movies of the X-Men franchise, playing Maura McTaggart. Oh, that is her, yeah. Yeah. So, uh, so anyway, so the movie is a uh, classic feel-good movie, you know? Like, it's a comedy that uh, intermixes some good... Uh, family uh, lessons and hardships and uh, all good stuff at the end. So definitely go check it out when uh, you're surrounded by all the bad news today. Oh, wow. So uh, recommending Instant Family. What made you want to watch that? Like a good trailer? Uh, the trailer is good. The premise is good based on true story. Adopting kids. Uh, you know, I like kids. And uh, Rose Byrne is all good. Would you uh, adopt? you think you might adopt? I have uh, thought about it in the past. Oh, interesting. interesting. Mm-hmm. Okay. Mm-hmm. So, so, oh. that, so that's in the news. Um I'll follow on with uh, one more thing, talking about uh, SNL. You you all have been watching uh, Saturday Night Live these days, yeah. or as uh, Trump Jr. calls it, uh, Saturday Ampersand Live. <laughs> right? <laughs> the S- reason... <laughs> uh, no, S and L. They got both out of That's so... <laughs> so the, uh, the latest episode has a uh, code opening that uh, reenacts the uh, Cohen hearing. <laughs> Uh, played by uh, Ben Stiller, and then the representative uh, Jim Jordan. Is that right? It was Jordan and Meadows, one or the other. Probably, it was Jordan. Oh, yeah, you're right. It's Jim. Jordan. Yeah, Jordan. Okay. Or Jordan is played by uh, Bill Hader. I love that guy. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> it's fantastic. <laughs> and uh, and at one point, I think uh, Bill Hader, as Jim Jordan, asked uh, Cohen, hey, do you know you did wrong? And Ben Stiller replies, I know that I was wrong, and I know it because I got caught. <laughs> yeah exactly that's like my whole thing every episode <laughs> is that they only are apologizing because they got caught <laughs> that's what I'll, I'm uh, I'll go one step further and say this SNL episode was uh, hosted by uh, former uh, SNL alum uh, John Mulaney they, they're forcing that guy down our throat and I'm just like do we do we like him I like him I think he's having a moment okay because okay, you're I not the only it. one that thinks that <laughs> like I hear John Mulaney stuff I'm like okay you know he was a former Saturday Night writer. Now he has a stand-up special. Now he has this and this. And everybody's like, oh, John Mulaney's so funny. And I listen and I go, well. I okay, if he was an SNL cast member, I don't know his face for real, right? So, like, yes, I, I think I think what happened is, is that he's a great writer. Yes. And that comedians think he's hilarious. Yep. But I, I've never really seen him for real. I've, I think he's hilarious from the little bits I've seen him lately. The little bits you've seen, right? Yes. So they're treating him like a dude you've seen a lot of. <laughs> Like he's hosted twice. 
Right, twice in a short uh, turnaround time frame. But of the instances like I've the, seen no him movies, in, no movies, no TV shows. Like he's just some dude I, floating. Well, in he either. has some stand-up specials. Well, it's been there, but I'm, so does everybody. I'm just saying, of the stuff I've seen him in, it's been good. It hasn't been like, oh, that's a dud. It's, it's fine. It's been good. It's fine. Yeah, he had the classic skit last time he hosted about <laughs> how you don't order lobster in a uh, small cafe and a I diner. I think I missed that one. <laughs> and they had a whole skit because the lobster came out and it started singing a Les Mis Rob songs. <laughs> oh, you like Les Mis though. <laughs> <laughs> Please check it out. It, it is hilarious. So he had a follow-up this episode where how you go into like a uh, convenience store and usually you, don't, you shouldn't ask to use the restroom because you know it's going to be nasty in there. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, so same characters the, the, and he asked for it and then the whole skit comes down they're singing like Willy Wonka songs and, <laughs> and all this stuff. It's 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 a classic. Go they did it. do a skit where he was, uh, uh, so John Mulaney's white and he went to a black wedding with his black girlfriend. <laughs> I thought that was funny. <laughs> it was basically the whole time he was doing the cha-cha slide. <laughs> see, every time you see him do so, it's good. He's fine. He's fine. But like, I, I think like, my, my point stands, my point is that they're treating him like he was the star of the show or whatever as opposed to the writer. And I'm sure he's funny. But like I don't know, it's 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 a disconnect for me. Okay, uh, so things I've seen recently, uh, per my intro there, I'm about halfway done with Russian Doll on Netflix. Only halfway. Yeah, and the thing is though, I think I've seen so many spoilers online. Like people think they're being clever with their little jokes or whatever. That I think I know what's going to happen at the end. Uh, no, no spoilers, please. It's good. Well, I, it's not. I li- I like it a lot, but I don't want to say that it's great. But I like the the main character Nadia. So uh, uh, it's really good, and I like the premise, and I like her a lot. So, but I, people like it. So hell, it's good. Who watches? Also, I saw Blind Spotting. It was one of the, uh, there was a f- bunch of like woke black movies that I kind of missed <laughs> last year, and uh, Blind Spotting was featuring David Diggs, who is I think he was like um, uh, what's his name? What's the name? One of the characters in Hamilton is where he is claimed to fame was that he was from Hamilton. So he likes sings and raps or whatever. He's on Blackish too, and and. And how is it? How how woke is it on a scale of uh, one? I'm sleeping, and ten, I can't. I got like five cups of cold brew in me. Um, like I see why people liked it, and I also see why it didn't really get really, really uh, much awards buzz. It was good. It was good. Like um, the premise of it is that um, it's all about like living in Oakland, and um, identity in Oakland between like a black friend and a white friend. So if I had to choose one woke black movie to watch, would it be Train Spotting or The Hit You Give? Blind spotting. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Train spotting is about like what Irish teens. <laughs> yeah, it's about the drug abuse in, in Ireland. Or uh, so hate, the hate you give then. <laughs> uh, oh, that's interesting. Cause I'm a big hate you give fan. Uh, yeah, watch hate you give. Got but, it. But it's it's ten percent better, not fifty percent better. All right. Blind spotting's fine. It's good. I liked it. Okay. Bo. Well, so um, in the week that was, uh, the only thing I got <laughs> I like to. Do really was uh, read a little or listen to a little bit of the book, um, The Stranger from a Strange Land. Ooh. Ooh. So now it's taking a turn, and and so you've you've met the character, and now he's going on his big journey of educating himself on uh, what the the citizens of the world do. Oh, interesting. So, and I would say I still recommend the book. It uh, it's very good. So. See, I'm reading the book right now. What am I reading? It's a uh... Oh, it's uh, I'm reading Legacy of Ashes. Uh, it's a book about all the different uh, countries the CIA has taken over, and it's basically <laughs> the entire world. <laughs> it's a uh, it's wild, but it's it's like I want you should read it. Oh, to, it's a feel good movie. Nah, a it's, book. <laughs> nah, it's, it's good for you to understand what's going on in the world. Good it's Lord. Uh, two brothers, right? That 
Yeah, the Dulles brothers. The Dulles brothers. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. There yep. you go, Bo. That's what I'm talking about. <laughs> but like, it's not, it's not the most entertaining book, but it's full of good information. So there's that. All right, yep. Johnny. Um, I'll, I'll, I'll be remiss if I don't uh, keep to my responsibilities of talking about comic books at some point. Uh, one, we're watching uh, Captain Marvel later on tonight, so looking forward to that and uh, seeing how well that is. And it was all up, living up to the hype and all that stuff. I don't think, first of all, it's going to be as good as uh, Wonder Woman. So I'm going to keep my expectations at just above. Wonder Ant- Woman's amazing. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I'm, I'm going to keep Captain Marvel at just above Ant-Man level for now. I think that's the proper place for you to set your expectations. Because yes. yes. the early reviews are in. Yes. And like I saw a bunch of them that were like, uh, Captain Marvel is amazing. Captain Marvel, she stands tall. And then I saw a couple of those like, ooh, not yeah. so good. And I was like, oh, man. So now I don't know what to think. But I, but you, what I do think is that you should always set those expectations yeah. as low as possible. <laughs> That's why I tell my dates when they go out with me. Set them low, so low. No. And the second thing I'll talk about is uh, the the latest X Men crossover storyline in the comic books, mm-hmm. which I still read and collect. Um, so, avid readers may remember years back a storyline called um, "No More Moons," where the Scarlet Witch. Made uh, it into reality. There's just no more moons. On accident, though, right? Eh. Did she sneeze or something and kill everybody? Something like that. What? She was in a moment of intense emotional turmoil. But anyway, so that was a premise a long time ago. Mm-hmm. This premise is the exact opposite, granted by uh, the super powerful mutant, uh, Nate Gray, from the alternate timeline. So he says, everybody's immune. Yeah. And therefore, uh, mutant prejudice is no longer a problem because everybody's immune. So in this alternate reality, that, that shouldn't work though. I, I I'm not going to like it if that works. It doesn't. People are still. I'm sure they'll be hating on somebody. Okay, it's like look at this yeah. guy over here with the tail. We hate we hate tail guys. <laughs> <laughs> that's how that's how it really works. That's how human nature works or mutant nature works. I will say so. Like there's a storyline in the comics where I think the Inhumans purposely let the old uh, Terrigen mist out and then just deform a bunch of people. That's true. I thought that was kind of a uh, a dick move. <laughs> <laughs> I want to put that in the bad category. <laughs> yeah, so <laughs> I was like, hey, nobody volunteered for that. You can't just like, I don't know, deform a half million people. It, it, didn't ask for it. <laughs> there's a uh, there's a subplot there, meaning if you intertwine what happens in the comic books to what happens in the movie studios, there's a correlation in the sense that Marvel Studios at that time didn't own um, the X-Men characters, yeah. but they were making the Inhumans TV show. So therefore, they were really promoting the human storyline in the comic books as well and downplaying um, the X-Men storylines. And when, when I say that, what I mean is they, I believe, gave them the crappy writers and the crappy artists to the X-Men books because they didn't, just didn't care. And they gave all the good stuff to Inhumans, which yeah. I didn't like. Yeah, the Inhumans doesn't have the same ring to it as the X-Men. Okay, so, uh, whew, okay, it's going to get deep here for a second, guys. The uh, The Michael Jackson... Sex abuse documentary, uh, Leaving Neverland, is on HBO now. Yeah, part one and part two, right? <sighs> yeah, and I'm just like, I, like, it's always been in the background that Michael Jackson was accused of all this stuff like that, but I can't convince myself that since he got acquitted, even though, like, I think people who were like, R. Kelly got acquitted, so, like, I'm like, no, he's clearly a, a <laughs> molester. So I'm just like, oh, man, like, now I think, what, I think it's like a door that I'm going to have to go into, and and I will never be able to walk out of that room once I watch that documentary and see what's going on. With Mount Jackson, and I'm just like, per to, to be consistent, because I am very anti R. Kelly, and he's basically the same thing. Like, uh, I'm going to lose the music of Michael Jackson, and like, it's sad. Well, I mean, I'm, I'm guessing that the end of it's going to be like 
and we still don't know. No, nah, I don't think it's that. I think it's, and now you know for sure. <laughs> oh, okay. okay. <laughs> I think that's the way it's going. <laughs> I don't know. I, I think in general, I'm going to sound blasphemy for a second. I think I've lost my um, objectivity with documentaries. I think documentarians do a good job of uh, composing their story and uh, data mining their um, their topic, but you can't help, but they can't help but to insert their own narrative into that story. So as maybe similar to Congressional Edition, my beef with that, which is, yes, there's tons of facts in it, but the way they weave the facts together leads down a path that is the narrator or the author's um, um, um plot the whole time yep. yeah they have to have a story right they have a story so as i walk watch a documentary i mean nature is fine you tell me a story about the penguins and yeah sure i mean that's you can't make them look evil they're penguins yeah, but you could though it's the thing it's like they could, yeah, you you could do a documentary of all like penguins like i'm sure you show penguins tripping each other like oh look at those evil penguins i'm sure one percent of penguins like <laughs> eat their young or something <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> if you okay so so to that to that end right I did listen to a podcast where like uh, somebody interviewed the documentary documentary makers or whatever. And the first half of the, of the podcast, they were just like, here are the facts. And they did some interviews with like the, the victims. And I was like, oh, my God, like there it is. Like that's the proof he did it. And then in the second half, they were like, and then here's the stuff that makes you doubt it. And I was like, oh, OK, he's fine. <laughs> I'm just like, <laughs> <There> you, <go. laughs> you can just they can just make you believe whatever they want to. Like I could watch like you could make a documentary that just basically made me believe one thing. And then cut it differently, yeah. And not come out blatantly. Like right imagine you compare one side, which is uh, Michael Moore's um, documentary on eleven nine, right? Fahrenheit eleven nine. Okay. Right. And the other side, somebody makes a documentary that showcases all the good things Trump did. It's a short documentary. Step too far. Step too far. <laughs> but 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 they're but out there though. It's out you there. Should it, watch it, you should watch the trailer for them. They're hilarious. Yeah. <laughs> I've been uh, joking with a friend of mine because there's a trailer where this dude's like, I, uh, I hit my head at the construction site and then uh, then I woke up and while I was in my coma, God told me that Trump was going to be president. <laughs> this was like in 2007. <laughs> really? <laughs> yeah. It, uh, I'll show you the trailer. It's uh it's it's, inter- it's interesting what um is legit media for certain segments of society's consumption. All right, uh, Johnny, anything else? Nope, that would be about it. Game of Thrones trailer's out. You see it? No, not yet. Are I you going to watch it? I'm not going to watch it. I'm going to be the minority. Usually. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no, and I'm going to watch it. Oh. <laughs> there it is. <laughs> uh, I don't think I'm going to watch it. I'll just see it. Yeah, I'm not going to watch the Game of Thrones trailer either. So. Okay, well, uh, I'm sure it's amazing. So, All right, so another fantastical, magical episode of the Junto Show. Thank you so much for listening. We appreciate you so, so much. If you would, please uh, tell a friend about our show or leave, and or leave us a five-star review on iTunes. Not four, not three, five. We appreciate it. If you think that we're a three-star show, send us an email at show at juntoshow.com and let us know in that form. <laughs> no other form. <laughs> uh, okay, so yeah, uh, we covered a lot of topics here. I thought it was great. So uh, until next time, Johnny. Hey, I'm Johnny, and go check out VentureOut.com. Bo? Uh, I'm Bo. Uh, enjoy life. <laughs> okay, we'll see you next time. Thanks.